If you have questions or comments or thoughts for me, send me an email. Send it to martinstanner at gmail.com. I'll be happy to respond. Today, I wanted to respond to an email that I had that brought up the issues, or at least one specific issue, from a program I did quite some time ago, actually several years ago, about are Mormons Christians. And one of the positions that was taken by the emailer was that somehow I had misunderstood and that before the Council of Nicaea, the Trinitarian concept of God already existed. And so today I wanted to talk about the concept of Christ before the Nicene Council and how the Nicene Council of 325 AD impacted the concept of Christ within Christianity. Both of those things are really quite amazing to me. They're, they're in black and white. If anybody wants to take a look at them, you can take a look. We have the Anti-Nicene Fathers, the Nicene Fathers, and Post-Nicene Fathers series. It's a 36-volume work. One of the most useful volumes in that series is the one that contains the seven ecumenical councils of the early Christian church. And the very first one that is mentioned in there is the council at Nicaea in 325 AD. In that council, for the very first time, there was adopted by the Christian faith, which at that time was basically one faith. There were a number of different ideas and philosophies and ideas about Christ within the Christian community at the time, but there was only one real Christian church. And the Council at Nicaea was brought together for a number of different reasons, but one of the main ones was to combat what was considered heresy by a man named Arius. More about Arius in his teachings. But the real way that the early church at the Council of Nicaea combated what they thought were heresies about Christ, heretical ideas about Christ, was by adopting something that must thereafter be believed for someone to be considered Christian. And that was what was adopted as the Nicene Creed. And it said about Christ that he was, well, basically it said the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three persons comprising God of one undivided substance. Jesus was, to use the Greek word, homoousios, with the Father. There were many who were at Nicaea who objected to that word homoousios, which meant of the same undivided substance with the Father, one undivided substance, because it was not biblical. Nevertheless, to get rid of Arius, that concept was adopted.
there were these huge, fierce debates in the early Christian church about the nature of Jesus, about exactly who he was. And the seven ecumenical councils, in large part, dealt with those specific issues. Before the Council of Nicaea, there were several basic concepts of Christ which were believed. The first one was that Jesus was Lord. He was kurios, to use the Greek word, as Paul described it. And he was the Messiah. He was the anointed one. He was the one who saved people. And he was deity. Those were the basic concept about Christ. The idea of him being of one undivided substance, that's not something we find in scriptures. That was something that was first adopted in 325 AD. The ideas that are part of the church today that seem very elementary in the LDS community and others the one that describes Christ as a perfect human being is something that was really not discussed or emphasized until close to the 13th century when Thomas Aquinas came around. It's not that they believed that he had somehow sinned. That wasn't it. It was just that this idea of perfection was not emphasized. But you go to any Christian church today, including the LDS meetings, and you will find people talking about Christ and his perfection. That was an idea that was not discussed very much early on in Christianity. Another attribute or description of Christ that was not really discussed much in early Christianity, but is a major theme in the LDS faith and in Christianity today is the idea or this image of Christ as a friend, as someone who's a source of love and comfort. Again, it's not that no one believed that earlier. It's just that that idea came to the forefront and was emphasized during the Middle Ages. It was said at that time that God, meaning Jesus, became a man so that he could understand us and love us, which is quite an interesting concept. So, if we say then that the three main concepts of, of Christ that we know about from early Christian writings are that Jesus was Lord, according to Paul, that he was preexistent, according to the Gospel of John and the writings of Paul, and that he was our Savior and broke the bands of death, according to the implications of the Gospels and the writings of Paul. We, we have the basic understanding of what Christ was, and these other concepts came about later. Early Christians found themselves really confronted with some of these new ideas, not because they were out running around looking for different ways to view Christ, but because as 
early Christian converts were being made and the gospel was being preached, different people brought up questions and issues about Christ. And many of these were from Greek-speaking communities and had ideas that they had learned from their youth from Greek philosophy that was taught to them. And so bringing about the ideas of Aristotle and others was something that actually contributed to these different ideas of Christ and who he was. When we come back, more about the early Christological controversies in the Christian church. Stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. If you're just joining us, we're talking about the Christological controversies in the early centuries of Christianity that resulted in some ideas about Christ that, as far as we know, were not understood by the apostles, the early Christians, and were not actually spoken or taught by Jesus himself. Nevertheless, they are with us, or with most of Christianity, as part of the ideas about Christ. Why? Because they were brought up and raised by early converts, and so those within the church had to come up with answers and responses. And in so doing, there were different ideas amongst different early Christian church leaders, some of whom were believed to be heretical and excommunicated. Others with ideas were assimilated into Christianity. And so you have this huge body of information within early Christian writings which we now call the Christology writings. And amongst those are the Christological controversies, many of which are described in the first seven ecumenical councils of the Christian church. Ecumenical means universal, and so we're talking about the councils of the universal Christian church during the first centuries of Christianity. In the beginning, there was this idea that was expressed by Paul that Christ was Lord. He described Jesus as the Kyrios, which is a Greek word that means literally Lord. It could mean Lord as in a king or an overseer. It was also a descriptive title for deity. The everyday term in the Gospels for Christ was an Aramaic word called Mari, which meant something similar to rabbi, and has at times in the New Testament been translated as kurios. It has come to mean and represent Jesus' lordship, that Jesus was Lord. So you have this tradition both from Greek and from Jewish, Hebrew, Aramaic roots as as well, that Jesus was Lord. Another idea about Christ, another belief, 
especially taught by Paul, but also by John, is that Jesus was pre-existent. That idea of a pre-existent Christ, that belief, wound up causing a number of early controversies. Arius, in the 4th century, believed that Jesus was a creature. He actually quoted a passage that is found in the New Testament, one of the writings of Paul, actually, that says that Jesus was the first of all creatures. And so that concept being out there, Arius latched onto it and believed that God created Jesus and everything else out of nothing. That was the logical conclusion for him. Others did not believe that and thought that Christ was in the beginning with God and that there was never a time when there wasn't Christ. And they believed that Christ was equally divine with God the Father. And so this huge controversy came about, one which probably Christ and the apostles would have smiled or rolled their eyes over um, because it's so abstract and, and lacking in um, in actual evidence from the life of, of Christ. The discussions about Jesus were that he was preexistent with God. If you leave the concept there and don't place a special meaning of created out of nothing on the word creature, then you just have the idea that God was in that Jesus was in the beginning with God and that he was the first along with God. And from there, uh, you, you don't need to extrapolate much more until more information is available. And yet, that is one of the underlying concepts that caused many of the Christological controversies. So where did all this go? You had different people who believed that there was a human Jesus and others that there was a divine Jesus and others that believed that the human Jesus was elevated to divinity. But originally he was just human. You had others who believed that he was always divine and that he was never really human, but appeared to be so while he was among us. And there were others who ultimately won out that believed that Christ won out, at least in the Western church, that Christ was a duality, that he had a human side and he also had a divine side, and that these two sides were sort of seamlessly interwoven together in one person, the person of Christ. All those concepts, completely foreign to the writings that we find in the Gospels, but somehow extrapolated from them by those who were engaged in these controversies during the centuries after the time of Jesus and the Apostles. So you had, as we mentioned earlier, Arius and Arianism, which was part of the group that thought Jesus wasn't divine. He was just a wonderful person. Um, and then you had Ebionism, which argued that Jesus was also an ordinary mortal. Gnosticism thought that Christ was just a spiritual being and only appeared to have some kind of a physical substance. So you have all these different 
ideas. Eventually, there was an ecumenical council at Chalcedon in 451 that decreed that there was this human nature and divine nature that was united. And that's where the idea that has maintained itself till today in most of Christianity originated. One of the other interesting side notes to Christology is the whole concept of Mariology. Mariology, for those who are not familiar with it, is the question of who was Mary, the mother of Jesus. There are those who believe that she must have been divine in some way to have a child who was divine. There are others who believe that she was an ordinary person and that the divine nature was simply an influence of the Holy Ghost. And there are others who believe that because Jesus was the Son of God himself, that his divine nature comes from God and that his human nature comes from Mary. There was a council at Ephesus that debated these coexisting natures of Jesus and where they came from. Roman Catholics, at least up until now, have believed in the hypostatic union of the Trinity. They believe in the two natures of Christ and also in the Trinitarian concept of God, the three persons of one undivided substance. And that all happened when this guy named Nestorius was excommunicated and tossed out of the church who had a different belief. When we look at the Middle Ages, we see some of the sort of harsh, abstract concepts of Christ giving way, especially because of the wonderful Christology of St. Anselm and also the wonderful theological views of St. Augustine talking about Christ as a source of love and as a great friend to people. And those are some of the concepts that even though emphasized only lately in Christianity are those that seem to me to be some of the very, very most wonderful and most obvious and most enduring. Hope these thoughts about Christology have helped. Join me next week. I'm Martin Tanner.